1: You know what it is, right? There's two of them in there. Yep. 833-212-1017 is the number. Because <laughs> he sent me a text. Blah, 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 blah. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. 833 212 what? Where's all the mice? Where's the mouse to the computer? Da, da, da. Did he take the mouse? <laughs> hey, I've done it before. So I'm just saying. Am I missing? It? Oh, look at this. Really? Maybe he has long arms. Tory Lowe has long arms. His wingspan, his, his arm span is like 10,000 feet. That's a big enough lie, right? Okay. You're listening to Truth and in- Can you tell I'm having a good day today? I am in a absolutely, totally, phenomenally good condition. I'll say that. So here's the deal. I'm just knocking everything over. It's too much stuff in here. We need to go back to the old way. We need to go back to the old way when there was when there was like, you know, nothing here and we just rolled in and did stuff so (laughs) somebody said good somebody's back is not hurting today i didn't say all that but i'm just no i'm i'm doing good now all of a sudden i talk too much and i need water and it, it's it's one of those days right why is it why is it why is it so hard for people and companies and people in the world to learn things i mean so i saw this on linkedin so i want to i want to talk about it Ooh, my throat is killing me now see you jinxed me Somebody said, good, somebody's back not hurting today, and now my throat is hurting. It's all your fault. Who, who sent me that text? 262-875, I'm blaming you. Um, <clears throat> there was a note on LinkedIn I read about somebody that resigned, and they were, they were talking about why it happened. And they were talking about the fact of how people get to the point where they leave a company, they leave a person, they leave relationships. And so trying to explain that, I thought it would be much better to just read the original that's there, right? So the note said Friday she resigned, told the CEO her decision was not negotiable. They counter offered twice, but she was insulted and flatly rejected both offers. When she described her reasons, they were obvious and common. Here are the five conclusions. So number one, counter offer. Rarely people leave a company, leave a relationship with a company Leave a job because of money. Money motivates you only to a point. Number two, you can't try, right, to appreciate or, like I talked about the other day, value someone on the way out the door. That makes absolutely no sense. So I tell you what I'm doing. It's too much. These are the things that I need. You say no. Then you expect me to keep doing the work after I told you I couldn't do the work because it's difficult. So then when I tell you I'm leaving, you offer me more money. Not once, but twice. And I tell you no, and you don't understand. You try to appreciate me. When I'm leaving, but you don't show appreciation while I'm here. You want to ratchet up the amount of money you pay me, but then you want me to do more as if I'm not doing more now. Like what I'm doing right now is worth the money that you should be paying me. So the fact that you offered it to me to do my same job while I'm here, that means that you devalued me. You don't appreciate me. And it's too late. Number three. Emotional resignation happens a long time before somebody quits or leaves. Company, relationship, friendship, connection. When you emotionally disconnect, it's over. When you lose hope, that's when you formally resign. When you get to the point where there's nothing else here and there's nothing else I'm willing to do, and I don't really care what you do. That's when you resign. Number four, you have to realize every job plateaus. So you need to take some things off the table, put different things on the table, and that makes people be fresh. But again, If they're emotionally resigned, you adding or taking away or just recognizing that every job plateaus. That means you are poor. If you're in charge and you're in leadership, you're doing a very poor job of showing the person not only that you appreciate them. But that there's a future investment in their career that's happening now or coming. Otherwise people roll. If there's no pro- career progression, if they just stick you in and want you to do your job, shut up and just do it. And I've worked for those type of places. That, that, that's one of the biggest factors to retention. Nobody wants to hear it. We're the group, we're in charge, and we're smarter than you. We really don't want to hear what you have to say. So when you hear your employer tell you you have a voice, That means jack. Well, we give you a voice. You're heard, but are you acting on what I'm saying? If you're not, there's no appreciation. People realize that their job has plateaued. But the one thing you have to realize is trust goes both ways in a relationship. You earn it over time. You lose it in a moment. One thing, one thought, one word, one act, and it's gone. We talk about people, friends, being our most, and I hate to use the word value, but our biggest appreciable asset. But that's not how we treat them. That's not how we step up to the plate. And so what happens is if you don't invest, you won't have long-term gains. If you do invest, you'll have long-term dividends, but we don't do that. We expect you to come in, do the work, be quiet. If there's anything new, tell us. We'll figure it out. You're not smart enough. You're not in charge. It's not your job. It's not your role. Don't have any ideas. Be quiet. Listen to us. We're going to tell you the lie that everything's great when, in fact, it's not. And so in these coming months, it's unfortunate, but most companies, most people, most relationships are going to find out that these five things, they're more important than anything else in their life. The problem is the way they find it, well, they learn it the hard way.
0: And that is Dr. Ken's Truth on the new 101.7 The Truth.
1: You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. Was well, you laughing at me Why you got that smile on your face? She got that like. Pff. Speaking of that. Speaking of that. So I had a conversation this morning with a Truth Nation fan. Was, we had a, like a two hour conversation. It was it was so and and I'm taking it out of context to make a point. First of all, it was a phenomenal um, conversation. We're going to follow up and talk about some stuff, and and I learned uh, it's 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 pretty cool when you hang out with white people because you learn things every day. We learn from each other, and I think it's one of the most valuable things we can possibly do. Um, but there were there were some. Um, there were there were some conversations we were having that if we because we had gotten to know each other fairly quick we were able to say some things that weren't really um that other people might have found offensive put it like that right because we were having that kind of conversation where we kind of built up some trust and started Having a conversation. And so during the conversation, they said something that struck me in terms of because they're in a different generation. I won't say which one. But they said they believed, and, and if I'm and if I'm saying it wrong, and I'm pretty sure the person is listening, send me a note back and say, No, actually, I said this. But they basically said that the world would probably be better off and things would get better in the world when baby boomers die off. And at first I was offended by that for like a millisecond, like probably not even that long. Right. But I really wasn't offended because I understood what they were saying. Well, you know, they think the way other young people think move the old people out the way those older baby boomers are terrible. La, 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 la. Right. Disregarding the fact that all that they say, they do, they act, they live, they breathe, we create it Based on what the silent generation gave us and the generation before that, slavery, gave them. And so I find it interesting how generations forget. They, they almost act like they're the ones that created everything. When in fact, they really didn't create much of anything. But they made it better, which is your job. But then I thought about what would the world be like if baby boomers died off? When baby boomers die off? We live in a world now where you can't say what you want to say. You can't believe what you want to believe. Religion is getting less and less and less important. The moral fiber, the moral fabric of what, quote, unquote, the majority of white people think is correct and right is falling by the wayside. And so if black people were never really thought of as being equal anyway. Now we're silencing things that actually need to be augmented and spoke up about. We can talk about transgender, gay rights, but we can't make that more important than everybody else's rights. You're not more important. Black people aren't more important. White people aren't more important either. Because what it comes down to is a power struggle. And power comes down to money. So when we say boomers die off, boomers die off because they basically right now have all the money. I mean, think about it. And so when you start to live in an instance where we don't want you to say anything because you might offend somebody. So don't talk at all. Somebody in the world who has all the money here in America is going to start dictating who gets what money where. Who said, oh, we don't like what you said, we get to, and, and we're going to take the whole cancel thing to the point of nobody's going to talk. I mean, right now in Canada, they're putting people in jail for proselytizing, for saying they disagree with somebody's lifestyle. They disagree with what a person did. Oh, you can't say that. When did we make protected classes out of human beings? When did we make protected classes out of men being able to play, play um, uh, uh, swim or lift weights, knowing that they're stronger and faster than women and then they get the title because they couldn't get the title competing with other men. And that's why I say if we're going to live in a world of inclusion and equality, the inclusion should be representative of you. Women already have theirs. Men already have theirs. If you're trans woman or trans man, give them their own, um, uh, like, softball league or baseball team, basketball, all that, right? I look at that as equity. I look at that as because we take inclusion just a little too far. Recognizing that there's some things black people don't want to include y'all in. Just like there's some things white people don't want to include us in. Suburbs. Neighborhoods, schools, businesses, and I'm okay with that. But then I argue, build your own. And so that's what I say to everyone. It doesn't matter if you're straight, gay, doesn't matter if you're Christian or not. If you want it, build your own. I think that's the most powerful thing that you can do for you, for people like you. And I say black people should build their own. Stop complaining about it being a food desert. Stop going to nonprofit organizations because they decided they got data that's going to dictate how they treat your community. But yet you may have a black person who's the chair, right, Or, or the director, but then everybody else in there is white. Like, okay, Now, sometimes it has to be that way. Sometimes. We have to recognize that there are beautiful people in the world. That, that there are some people who live, and that was the person I spoke to today, who live what they believe. Who believe in justice, who believes in equity, and, and will get together with other people like-minded that look like them, white, and do it. And me, I applaud that. Just don't forget black people, we need to do that. And so sometimes white people need to move out the way and let us do it. Like, move. Why are we looking to the government to open up something in Bronzeville? We need black people to open up something in Bronzeville. And if I'm incorrect about that, call and correct me. 833-212-1017. We need to open it up. But every time we try to open up something black in the city, somebody white steps up and complains. Or has political connections and the permits don't go through and you can't get nobody to help you build it and you want to do this because there's, well, there's another center here and they don't want, why can't you go there? Why is it we always have to go to white stuff? Why can't we have our own stuff? So if you're going to do it. Or if you agree, 833-212-1017. If you agree, give me a call. If you disagree, give me a call. And and for the people that complain about the award-winning 101.7 The Truth being started by good karma brands, that's what I mean when I say an example of a group of white people that got together and did it and then turned it over and said, hey, we'll help you, but you got to run it. You plan it, you run it, you hire, you, and that's what I'm talking about. There's nothing wrong with us helping each other. There's nothing wrong with receiving help from people. There's nothing wrong with giving help. But you got to put in the work. We got to stop complaining there's no stores in the black community. We just need to start and open a store. Stop complaining about whether or not black people won't do anything. Do it yourself. But stop crying and complaining that somebody's not doing it for you. But then when you build it and you're black, black people won't come to you. Some won't. So what? Money is green. So when you go into business saying, I want to sell to black people, that's cute. But you may not have a lot of money. Because we're not the majority. We're only like 13.9%. 14.2%. I mean, come on. So what are we doing and how are we moving forward? Because it makes no sense to me. Talking text line, George said, I agree. Mr. Madee said, blacks own nothing but your own butt in Milwaukee. Mr. Madee, let me help you with something. That's a ball-faced lie. There are a significant number of middle-class black people that live in Milwaukee, that live, that breathe, that run, that work, that do a multitude of things. So. And you don't seem to understand that. Mr. Madee said black folks care about Walmart period. That's a dumb statement. Mr. McGee, Mr. Madee. And I said, the statement is dumb, not you because we talk all the time. And the reason I say that is because if you're black and I've seen your picture, I believe you're black. Let me know if you are or not. I think what you miss is that some black people are like that. But we have to remember where our community goes, we go. But what I'm not going to do is let you say that we don't have anything. We got black people that are part owners of the Bucks, the Brewers, the Packers. Like, what? Middle class back people. Listen, the divine nine fraternities and sororities. All of them got degrees or all of in college working on degrees. What are you talking about? Everywhere, every organization I go to, every single person in the organization has at least a bachelor's degree. 90 percent of them got master's degrees and most of them run their own companies. What are you talking about? But again, if you keep believing what you keep seeing on the news and seeing what people show, because they only show the worst of us, never the better. When the Alpha Botillion is going on, when the Kappa League is going on, when the AKA Cotillion is going on, I never see any of the TV stations there showing it impositively on TV, ever. There's positive things going on. Y'all just don't show up. Fox 6 had 100 Black Men on last Friday, about a fishing clinic we were doing. Right? But that's it. Like, we just need to create our own, gate, our, our own media and go about our business. And that's why the truth is here. But we keep complaining about it. When we come back, I'm going to go through, oh, I got a lot of talking texts uh, blowing up. So when we come back, my, my question is the same. What are we going to do and when is this going to change? When will we build our own. Because I don't understand. We keep doing it, but we keep doing it the hard way.
0: You are listening to Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth, The Truth App, and 1017TheTruth.com. This is Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com.
1: You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. 833-212-1017 is <laughs> the number. Miss, miss Mr. McD sent a, sent a picture and the email that said, best looking Republican and God fearing believer you will ever meet. Ha ha ha, Madi. Ha uh, ha ha, no. Anyway, 83212 1017 is his number. Bill said, M- thank you, Dr. Harris. The complaint about food deserts and businesses not opening in the inner city is very annoying because it is an indication that they need white people to do that. That's true. <clears throat> and so, what we have to figure out. And part of my conversation this morning, what do we do with white people who want to help? What should they do? I'm always suspect of data that these organizations have about us. That's done by other white people. We need some good qualitative. This is what I need. Parse through all the, the, you know, the conversations where people are just talking about themselves and not really the bigger picture or family and, and let's find out what's actually needed in the community. Cause everybody has their own thing. Oh, we need houses. We need education. We need, right. But all they're doing is comparing themselves. or comparing us to them and then trying to figure out if we match anything. And that doesn't make any sense to me that, 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 you, you have no real information unless you talk to people. But are we talking about current needs or are we talking about future needs? Because future needs are more important. So good point. Always the work said the government had a hand in destroying Bronzeville, so they should also have a hand in rebuilding it. Nope, absolutely not, because then they'll want to have a hand in it forever. The government has never put their hand in anything and ever made it okay. They've messed up a lot of stuff. And this thing that we want the government to take care of us is garbage. Yeah, I know. Oh, you sound like a conservative. No, I sound like a person that's lived through the government taking care of it. And it never came to fruition. And it's never what you need. It's always what they tell you you need. Oh, no, you don't need that. Oh, we got this new thing now. It's, it's, it's old. You know, it came out in the 1960s called AFDC, Aid for Families with Dependent Children. The problem is if you had a family, yeah, you didn't have any dependents. So what do you mean? Well, I mean, you know, we'll give you the money, but it's two parents working. So if two parents are working, then we don't give you money. Oh, so you only include a family with one parent and kids. So, so, so the father had to stay hidden and mama signed up for AFDC. And that's how the family got paid and made it through. Would you think the government would undergird a family and help them through the same way they did Oh, that? Oh, I'm sorry. That's right. That's the way they help white people get through the depression. They got help. They got to go work the jobs out West and got in programs that the government started to give them jobs. We didn't. Oh, my bad. Stupid of me. Fortunately, we live in, this year. And this year, we can do it ourselves. Because once once people start putting their hand in it, they start telling you where you can live, where you can grow, where you can. See, when they did the redlining and they got caught with these insurance companies and they corrected it, there was a lawsuit and the government corrected it but the community corrected it. The community went, hey, we're not supporting you anymore. We're out. And they had to come to an understanding, and now everything is okay. We're still living the remnants of redlining in America, though. That's why all these cities, are, like we were having a conversation this morning. One of the reasons the cities are predominantly black and Democrat is because of redlining. So don't get it twisted. We didn't do it to ourselves. I hate to say it. Y'all did it. (laughs) Um, Dr. Ken, it sounds like you've reached the plateau where you've been saying for a long time. I have. I have. Like, I'm, I'm at a point where either change it or get rid of leadership. Period. You have an older person, man, woman, whatever they are. And if they're not doing their job, get rid of them now. Second thing, cut their salaries to about 40% of what they make now and make them Negroes and Negrets go get a job. Go get a job, a real job, so you can understand that while you're doing your job, doesn't give you carte blanche to live off the fat of the city and only work a few months out the year. No, actually. Oh, and the second thing, the money that you save, build an office in the aldermatic district for the older person, like y'all like to call them, men and women. So they have access to the people and the people have access to them. Because this going downtown garbage behind the locked door and all that crap is garbage. You don't even have access to your elected officials. They're that special. All their offices are in the same place. They're across from each other behind closed doors. You can't say who pays for that. But if I go to Madison, it doesn't matter if you're Democrat or Republican, I can walk in the door, find your office, go to your office, knock on the door and say, hello, I'd like to make an appointment. Isn't that backwards? Yeah, something ain't right. 262-875 said um, he's he's black or he's black and out of touch. Who's out of touch? Or was I talking about the mayor? I don't know. Maybe they're talking about me. Miss Medina said, we really appreciate you, my brother. Truly blessed. Um, I don't understand what that writing is because it's kind of, if you want to resend that or, or, or correct it, I'd appreciate it so I can actually read it. 833-212-1017 is the number. W- what are we going to do with This country in about 20 years, 30 years when the when the youngest of baby boomers have died off. What are you going to do? Where are we going to go? Axel 4027 said we have food deserts, but not gun deserts. Choices we made. What do you mean choices we made? We make choices for guns. but We didn't make choices for food deserts. People moved out. You can't make any money. The prices are too high. Like, you do understand that part of the reason why people don't buy, people don't go to small stores in the neighborhood is because the food is too expensive. Because many times when you open a store, you don't have the breath of, um, uh, my brain just went, Uh, you don't don't have the ability to purchase large quantities because you only have one store. Now, if those same people got into a co-op, and we're able to buy it together, it would be significantly cheaper. That's one of the things we did, and then we'll take a break. That's one of the things we did in my neighborhood. Years ago, before I bought my house, I live in a historic neighborhood. All of the roofs, we already argued that, right? Roofs versus roofs. All the roofs are the same type of clay shell, right? So it's not the kind where you can just show up and – And nail it in and you're done. You can't nail it in. You have to place it, glue it, then maybe put the right type of nail in it. So I looked at how much it costs for a pallet, not a pallet, just a pack of some of the roof shingles made in California plus shipped to Wisconsin. I was like, oh, no, we're not doing that. He said, oh, no, 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 you don't have to worry about that. I've got enough for the whole roof here. And I looked and went, well, how'd y'all do that? They said, oh, everybody here has the same kind of roof. So we all got together, all ordered it together and paid a discounted price. So the shipping was significantly less. The shipping was like a couple of hundred bucks per person. I was like, hmm, oh, and when we bought in bulk, there are only three color roofs on the entire block. Everybody's roof, roof is one of three colors. So that's what we ordered. Uh, we'll take those, and we need about eight of that kind and 15 of that kind and, like, 12 of that kind. And because we ordered in bulk, it was even cheaper. So basically, he got a whole shingled roof for 800 bucks. And I thought to myself, if we could just transfer that to business, clothing, shoes, Socks. Think of where the black community would be in America. Think of where we would be in Milwaukee if we thought like that. 833 212 1017 is the number. More from Talking Texts when we come back. listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris, 833-212-1017. It's... (laughs) I just got a text. (laughs) I got to answer it back because... I tell you, you can't even kid with people anymore. Millennials have no, no sense of humor whatsoever. Done. I hate when you talk about millennials like that. But it's fun. Just like you talk about boomers. They're old. They're decrepit. Anyway, uh, LT said there are a lot of recreational ideas or concepts that black people need in the neighborhood. However, these things open up and are shut down by other black people. For example, why isn't there a roller skating rink in Milwaukee black neighborhoods? Because the risk reward percentage just isn't there for investment. It's there. What you have to do is not be so open and let everybody in. If you're not a certain age and you don't have a certain this or that, you can't get in, period. Other organizations do it. Other black places do it. Why can't we? Thank goodness the guy that killed uh, Miss Rucker, At the Brownstone, got caught and convicted. But that's what happens when you try to do something. So I guess, LT, I'm kind of agreeing with you. That's what happens when you try to do something in the black community and have something nice and have something quality and have something of people of like quality. and, and And then shootings happen. And they had security. And it still happened. What we have to do is step up when things happen, make the identification. The community needs to rally around you to support you, make sure you're safe, and then it'll start to change. Always at work, said that's the point. I'm not looking for government to take care of me. Just want them to kick in what they owe. The government's not going to pay you what they owe. So you can stop that. I don't know why you keep trying to, why people keep trying to say that. Native Americans got reparations. Japanese got reparations. They even brought the Hmong over here from overseas. We got illegal immigrants who come in through Mexico and get more rights than we do. We have people who come here on green cards or supported by their families who are foreigners who run gas stations and stores all over the country, work the minimum number before they have to go back, take their money and them back. But before they do that, a family member comes over and what? learns how to run the business and then takes the money back Like, I'm not mad. But we got to stop waiting and looking for people to do stuff for us. The government's not going to do it. We are not getting reparations. If we get reparations, what they really need to give us is education. You want to give black people reparations? Take care of our school loans. Make that a one-time reparation and be done. Oh, wait a minute. We can't do that because people are invested because they pay. What is that? Freddie May, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, right? Houses. All the places that black people get jacked. Housing and education. Right. If you're going to pay something, pay that. Then they went on to say, um, what's wrong with expecting people to pay what they owe? Nothing. Just like all the wars they support. They have the money. It's a cop out. Keep letting them off the hook. We just need the money, not direction. Yeah, you need directions. Because we see what happens to people when they get too much money. That's not a black thing. That's a human condition. You get too much money in your pocket, we start acting a fool. Do I need to start picking off all the, all the rich people who kill themselves with the money they have? Flying airplanes and homemade planes and skiing backwards into trees. and all. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we do silly stuff with money. I kind of agree. Mr. Badi said housing is separatism. Keep the daddies out. Like you said, by design. True. That's, that's true. It is. And then we wonder why we got broken homes. Oh, we got all these, you know, things because, because we don't want, we know the black community knows the world knows the power of a nuclear family, whether they're married or not. Divorced or not, the fact that you have a nuclear family that children grew up got got, you know, education and, and then everybody's taking care of and work that nuclear family is more powerful than anything. And so that's the first thing we. Damage first thing we destroy. But everything keeps coming down to money. Derek said, Dr. Ken, do you read Black Moses, Marcus Garvey? How is it the black man that brought him? How is how how it was the black man that brought him down? Uh, yes. Yes. Most definitely. So here's one of the things I want to do for. Um, I'm going to just put it out there and you all tell me. 833 1017 is the number. I'm going to have you because we got my top five and five coming up. So I'm going to have you hit me up on the talking text line. I need support. Resources. That's called money. Right. Business to support. A weekend show. That's actually a book club. A black book club. So that every week. Or every month now it should be every week we have a book club and every couple of weeks we read a book and we talk about it and you call in and we, we discuss it or, or I have a guest in and we, and we sit around in a book club and actually talk about black books that everybody needs to read I asked someone the other day did they know who W.E.B. Du Bois was they said no like what no idea If you know who Martin Luther King is, you should know who W.E.B. Du Bois is. First black man to graduate from Harvard with a PhD. Mind-boggling. The books he's written, the conversations that he's had with Marcus Garvey, you know, one said education, the other one said work, and and they'll give it to you, right? Two sides of the same coin doing the same thing. But yet, But yet, nobody does anything about it. I find it amazing. Should we do a book club? I need to find resources that'll help pay for a weekend show for book club. I think that would be a resource that this community needs. We'll even have a children's segment so we could talk about children's books, adult books, current books. You're listening to Truth in the Afternoon. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Harris. Top 5 at 5 will be coming up next.